0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We went, started this series called Basic Training, The Making of a Soldier, and this is week three. There's a lot of things going on in our world today around us, I don't know if you've heard about it, there's kind of a virus going around and uh, some things impacting our world, and it's no joke, it's a serious Issue and but we're dealing with it head on. We're going to deal with it from scripture, we're going to deal it from God's perspective so that we can walk in authority, walk in strength, and walk in the peace of God. So, if you've got your sermon notes there in your worship guide, you can pull those out. You can get on the U Version Bible app, and the sermon notes are available for you there as well. Or you can pull out your Bible and take old fashioned just paper notes. But either way, I want you to get your Bibles out there, Mount Carmel, E Rhodes family. Come on, get them out. We believe here at the Rhodes Church. Every time we open the Bible, God wants to say something to us. So we get a little excited about opening the Bible because God is speaking to us in our life. So if you've got them today, let's get together, Eros family, Mount Carmel, Nora City, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, (laughs) Matthew 28, just a little excited about the Bible. We're not crazy, maybe a little, but not, not crazy in a bad way, crazy good. Matthew chapter 28. I want to start reading in verse 16, if you're ready, let's do it. It says here, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Lo, I am with you. Let's try it again all together now. Lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and just breathe life on it. I want to hear from you. And we, want, we all together want to hear what you have to say to us. So, Lord, I just come against all distraction, all fear in Jesus' name. We just pray the peace of God that passes all understanding will just settle right now and guard our hearts and our minds. Lord, we want to hear your truth because we know when we know your truth, that truth will make us free. So we receive your truth today. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your peace from your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 So in this Matthew chapter 28, a lot of times it's called the Great Commission, these last five verses there, 16 through 20. And uh, this is where Jesus had risen from the dead and he appears to the disciples and he's he's showing back up on the scene here in Galilee and he told them to meet him there. And so when they meet, this is what happens. These, this is the first conversation or first interaction. I thought it was interesting as I was looking at this, I wanted to pull out some things that I thought might help us in this season of our life. And We talked about making a soldier. Well, this context, this scripture is about making disciples. So this is where I kind of got the theme for the whole series, that God's wanting us to make disciples or make soldiers. We've been talking about enduring hardship uh, as a good soldier, but today I want to go into this a little bit and see where God takes us. So look at verse 17. Notice again, Jesus had shown up on the scene. He's resurrected from the dead. All right, now peep this. You got to remember They saw him hang on a cross, they saw him dead, took him off the cross, put him in a tomb, rolled the stone over it. He's dead dead, like doorknob dead, like really not alive. And then all of a sudden, he shows up to them again. Now, again, he had appeared to them in the room and said, peace, but he's coming to them on the mountain. So they've already, some of the disciples have seen him in the room when he showed them, said, peace be still, or peace to them. And then, you know, doubting Thomas, he showed up again. Well here he's on the mountain. So this could be the third appearance, depending on how you want to break them down. But notice what he says. He shows up to them in verse 17, before he speaks though, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And I read that and it kind of jumped out at me when we're talking about making a disciple, making a Christian, making a follower of Jesus. I think this is important. I think it's important to let the followers of Jesus know this principle, that if Jesus shows up in person after resurrecting from the dead and some worship him and some doubt, I just think we need to be under the understanding that not everybody's going to believe what you believe. I just think we need to get it firm in our life, in our hearts, that some people are going to worship and some are going to doubt. I think we have this false notion. I know I I carried around a lot because, you know, sometimes with things going on, we want to say the right things. We want to say the perfect things. But if it happened to Jesus, it happened to the disciples, and it happened to Paul, it's going to happen to us. Not everybody's going to like you. I know that's a newsflash, but not everybody's going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to worship Jesus. Not everybody's going to agree with your political view. Not everybody's going to believe with your view on the coronavirus. Not everybody's going to believe or agree with your view on Christ and the end times. And not everybody's going to agree with that. So I think this is important. If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to get this truth in our hearts. You cannot please everyone. Just go ahead and shake it off. You can't please everyone. Just go ahead and just let it come off of you. Because it's something that really sticks to us and weighs us down. It's a legit problem in our life because we want everybody to be pleased. Any people pleasers out there? You know, we want to make everybody happy. We want everybody to get along and everybody just have a good time and have fun. I'm a middle child. By birth, there's three with my mom and my dad, and so I was a middle child. Middle children, but stereotypically, are supposed to be the, the people pleasers, bring everybody together, the oldest, the youngest, everybody get along. That's great until you try and live your life that way. It can be very challenging. And so this is why I want to address this. We want to make sure in our, how we're handling things, you know, you don't want to try and have the perfect post what's happening in our world, like you think, okay, you know what, everybody's posting this, everybody's posting that. I want to post that one thing that answers everybody's questions. (laughs) I'm going to put that post out that when people like mine, it's like, boom, double love on that one. It's like, man, everybody, I'm going to have no criticizing voices on that. You want to come up with that perfect thing. Let me just set you at ease. That post does not exist. It doesn't exist. There's times that I've thought something was a slam dunk on how people would view a certain topic. I thought, well, at least this thing is easy. (laughs) No. All of a sudden, just people go crazy blasting them. I'm like, how can you see it from that perspective? But it happens, right? It's humanity. It's why we got to realize that there is no perfect response for everyone so here's what i want to say to you in this world he says some people worship some people doubted the fact that some people worshiped and some people doubted did not change who he was he was still the way the truth and the life so here's what i want to say to you be a leader be a leader be a person who lives based on principles and convictions in your life and go in the direction that God is telling you to go and don't be pushed around by everyone's opinion and voices. Live by what you believe and what convictions you have in your heart. And if people come alongside you and want to follow the direction you're going, great. But if not, at least you still end up where you want to go. Be a leader. That's what we need in this time of our life. We need people of principle and conviction that say, this is where I'm going. If you want to go great, if you don't want to go great, that's all right. But I believe what I believe, I'm standing on what I believe, and I'm going to follow what I believe. Be a leader. Not everybody's going to like it, but you got to stand loyal to something. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. Your loyalty, your loyalty to God will look like rebellion to some. So don't let people talk you out of being loyal to God, even if they think they call it rebellion. So look what happened. Some worshipped and some doubted. Some were all in. Some were on board. It's going to happen in our life. Look at verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, here's the first words out of his mouth before he's getting ready to be ascended into heaven. So he's showing up to his disciples. He's getting ready to tell them to go and make disciples before he... Before he tells him to go and make disciples, he makes this statement that I think is imperative. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. First thing out of his mouth. Before he says go make disciples, he establishes this one principle that I think is very important for all believers to get in our heart. That is the principle of authority. If we don't get authority right as believers, we're going to struggle in our walk with Christ. And so when I talked about and was thinking about, okay, let's just go back to basic training, making a soldier, making a disciple, making a follower of God, I thought, what's the first thing we need to address? Huh, why don't we just address the first thing that Jesus addressed? He had just addressed authority. He said, listen, let me just set you guys straight. Here's, Here's the first thing you need to get. Before you go make disciples, understand this principle. All authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Yes. And I thought about that and thought about, well, how does that connect? Because, you know, I've been following and reading and discussing basic training and talking to different uh, soldiers, people that's been in, served in the military. And I, I uh, WhatsApped with a friend of mine who's on deployment right now serving in the military, a lieutenant colonel. And I talked to him about this and said, what does authority look like? And we all came came across the same established truth that from the moment those soldiers in training get off the bus for basic training, the first thing that is poured into them is the concept of authority. The moment they get off the bus... That drill sergeant or instructor or whatever they call, different branches have different terms for that. From the moment they get off, they start breaking them down so that they can build them up. And the first thing they give them is there is new authority in your life. The first principle for basic training is authority. In other words, that drill sergeant, you know, maybe if you're not in the military or never been in the military like I have not, then we don't really understand it. But if you've been in the military and you've gone through basic training, you understand that the first thing you get indoctrinated with when you get off the bus is someone else is in charge. Like I am not in charge anymore. This person is yelling in my face. What are they doing? They're letting you know we are going to tell you what to do, when to do, and how to do it. Authority is essential in the military. If you don't get authority right, then nothing else will work together. So you've got to understand authority. I believe it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. If we don't understand authority, then we just attend church. And if we just attend church, we don't understand how it works. So we need to understand two things about being in the military or about authority. Two things that I think are important, two key foundational truths. Number one, the source of authority. Who is the source of authority? Number two is submission of authority. We'll talk about this. Source of authority and submission to authority. Who is the source? Who's the source of authority in your life? Who's running the show? Who's the commanding officer? Is it you or is it God? We've got to establish that. If we're going to be victorious, if we're going to walk in victory in our life, we have to understand these two things. Number one is who's the source of authority, and number two, are you submitted to that authority? What's the chain of command in your personal life? When a, when a soldier goes into basic training, the first couple weeks, they are indoctrinated, indoctrinated with the chain of command. They will get quizzed on the chain of command. Who's your superior officer? Who's their superior officer? You, are, it's staying, you have to take written tests on you. You have to know the chain of command. Who are those above you and who are those below you? You have to know the chain of command. It's the same in the spiritual. We need to know our chain of command spiritually. Here's why it's important. You need to know who you listen to and who you take orders from and who you do not take orders from. The chain of command tells you that when my superior officer tells me something, it's, yes, sirs. Yes, ma'am. Whoever's your superior officer, you, you, you just, whatever they tell you to do, that's what you do. And now you take those orders and you give those to the people after you. Spiritually speaking, we need to know who our superior officers are and who those are that are under us. Very important. Very important. Let's get into it. Let's look at it here. So now, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Why does he make that statement? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus was called by two phrases a lot. He was called the son of God and the son of man. When I used to read the Bible, I didn't think that was any big deal. Son of God, son of man, What's does it matter? It matters. Son of God means that Jesus was not the product of a male. The Holy Spirit conceived Jesus in Mary. She was a virgin. So he's the son of God. Son of man, he was born of a mother named Mary. So he's both of heaven and of earth, son of God and son of man. Are you with me? It's important that we break that down. There's a reason for it. Son of God is a phrase that's used 46 times in the New Testament, son of man, 87 times. Why so many more times? Notice what he said Jesus has authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has authority in heaven as Hebrews chapter 4 says he's our high priest. He's our high priest. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, he's now seated in heaven as both the son of God and the son of man. Here's why that's significant. The son of God left heaven and became a man and became a man, lived on this earth and died and then rose from the dead, went back and ascended into heaven. So now he's son of God and son of man. Why is that important? He says, all authority is given to me in heaven. Now, Jesus, before he came to the earth and back uh, after he came to the earth are two different pictures. Before he came to the earth, he did not have the connection with mankind like he did after he was resurrected. Now he is son of man and son of God. So now he becomes our representative in heaven. Here's why it's important, authority. Hebrews chapter four says he's our high priest. We can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have access to a throne of grace because Jesus became the son of man. The Bible says he was in all points tempted like we were, yet without sin. So now in 1 Timothy chapter two, verse five, he's our mediator. In Hebrews chapter seven, he's our intercessor. Here's what that means. The son of God... Became the son of man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. Is that tracking with you? If Jesus didn't come and die on the cross for you and me, we could not get back to God. Jesus didn't need to come to earth to reconcile his relationship with the father. He had to come to earth to reconcile our relationship with the father. So when he says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, it's because I not only am of heaven, I also came to earth and overcame the earth. Now I have total jurisdiction. I'm establishing authority for you. I'm establishing who's in charge. You need to know this. Who's in charge of everything? Jesus. He's in charge. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 said this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So this is what he was. He was equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Here's the gospel. Can I be as plain as can be? Jesus was equal with God, but he humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. Look what it says. He took on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men... Being found in appearances as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Can you imagine? You're the creator of mankind. And you come down, you humble yourself, you set aside your deity and come and humble yourself and become like your own creation. And then that creation that you created actually beats you and crucifies you. That's the position he took for us. That's the gospel. So now he humbled himself, took on the form, death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Verse 10, this is important. That at the name of Jesus, how many knees are going to bow? No, 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 no. You don't don't have it yet. That at the name of Jesus, how many knees are going to bow? We're getting closer. That at the name of Jesus, come on, Mount Carmel. How many knees are going to bow? Every knee, every knee will bow to Jesus. Every knee. I don't care who you are, what political party you're with, or what religion you say you're with. Every knee will bow to Jesus. So here's why my belief system is based on this. If your knee doesn't bow to Jesus now, then I'm not going to listen to what you have to say because you're not going in the right direction right now. Oh, that offends some people. That offends some people, but I said it last week. I'll say it again. My Bible says to not listen. Do not listen to the counsel of the ungodly. If you don't bow your knee to Jesus, then who do you bow your knee to? So this is why I'm setting up the authority. Who's who's the top dog? Who's the king of the kings and lord of lords? Jesus. So it's not me. It's not you. It's not the president. It's not the potential president. It's not the, the uh, this, uh, Republican Party, Democrat Party. They're not in charge. Jesus is in charge. He's the king. He's the king. He's the ultimate authority. So now every knee will bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. So does that cover everything? Those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. Jesus is ultimate in authority. Whew. So now we need to understand how authority works. I want to explain chain of command to you real quickly. As a believer, if I pull you aside one-on-one, I say, come on, let's talk about authority. Here's what I believe every Christian needs to know. They need to know what happened with authority and what authority mankind has in the earth in relationship to God. Now, when I say this, when I talk about authority, it's not to be condemning or talked down to. It's something I continually walk out. It's to encourage you to walk in your identity as a son or daughter. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you have stepped into a new category of authority. There is human beings and then and there are born again sons and daughters of God and those are two distinct different positions of authority yes. it's important it doesn't make you better than people it puts you in a different position of authority because of your submission to the ultimate authority i only have authority based on my submission to authority i don't have any authority unless i'm submitted to true authority so when I'm submitted to true authority, I now have delegated authority authority underneath his true authority. If I get out from underneath his true authority, I have no authority. All right, just trying to lay it out for you. So now he says, all authority has been given to me. Authority is delegated power. In Genesis chapter 1, when God created the world, and I don't have time to go through, but it's in your sermon notes. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Your Bible says... That God made man and woman in his likeness and in his image, and then he gave them dominion, gave them authority over the earth, over all the earth, the Bible says. So God has ultimate authority. Can we agree on that? Does God have ultimate authority? He is sovereign. He is king. He is Lord of all. God has ultimate authority. In Genesis 1, he created a physical world, and then he delegated. Only true authority can delegate authority. If I give a guy or gal a badge and I say, hey, you are now deputized. Go on out there and just enforce the law. They have no authority. Why? Because they didn't get it from true authority. I can't delegate authority. God has ultimate authority. He delegated authority to mankind. He says, you know what? You're in charge. You're in charge under my authority. So now in Genesis chapter 3, you'll see that in your Bible where man transferred that authority from themselves by obeying Satan in the garden. You remember that? Genesis chapter 3. So now they yielded their authority to Satan. And then you look ahead and uh, we'll see this in Luke chapter 4 when the devil appears to Jesus on the mountain and he's going to tempt him. In verse 6, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you, all this authority I will give you. Satan talking to Jesus. Can you imagine Satan is talking to Jesus, telling Jesus, the Son of God, I'm going to give you this authority. What authority is he talking about? All the authority over all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. For this has been delivered. Everybody say delivered. It's been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Notice he says it's been delivered to him. It hasn't been delegated to him. This is important from Bible teaching for you to understand the difference. When Satan says all this authority has been delivered to me. He wasn't saying it was delegated to him. That word delivered means to literally give or hand over to yield to someone, to transfer. So when Adam and Eve yielded to Satan in the garden, they delivered their authority over the world's structure to the enemy. And it wasn't delegated to me. God never gave it to the devil. God gave it to mankind. Mankind delivered it to him. So Jesus is here in the garden, or up on the mountain, and Satan comes and says, Hey, I'll give you this authority. And Jesus' is like, Dude, you can't give me authority. You don't have any authority. I've got ultimate authority. And the authority that you have, I'm fixing to take from you anyway here in just a few. So you think you're going to give me something? I'm going to take it from you. I'm going to st- strip you from all your power and all your authority. I'm going to disarm all principalities and powers. I'm going to break the, the separation between God and man. I'm going to destroy all that. And I'm going to turn around and give the authority that you stole from them. I'm going to turn around and give it back to them. This is the chain of command and authority. And we need to understand this spiritually. Because otherwise we just come to church and we wonder why what's happening, what's going on. And we never walk in authority as believers because we're waiting on God to do something he's delegated you to have the authority to do. And I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm saying that in an uplifting way, that there's more to you than meets the eye. There's more that you have ability to access and t- tap into, but we need to know our authority, so we've got to be connected to true authority because the liar's going around like a roaring lion saying he's got authority. Roar, roar. <laughs> he's going around saying he's got all kinds of authority, but he doesn't have any authority. The Bible says he comes as a roaring lion, As, as, it's imitation. His is, oh, I'll I'll tell you something. God spoke this to me this morning when I woke up. It wasn't in the first service. This is free, coming off right now. But the Bible says that Satan walks around as a roaring lion. What is he talking about? He's talking about his sound, his voice. It's as. He can talk. But what does he say about the righteous in Proverbs? The righteous are bold as a lion. Boldness is not an external sound. Boldness is an internal feature. So the difference between us and the devil is he talks a big game on the outside, but we have something on the inside. We're bold as a lion. We have an internal boldness. Yeah. So this is what we have at our disposal. So God delegates authority. So now he gives it back to us in Luke chapter 10. Remember, he died and rose from the dead. When he, when he came, Jesus came to take authority back from the enemy. In verse, uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 18 and he was talking to the 70, they'd return. It was just a back story real quickly. So he had sent the disciples out and he had told the disciples, hey, we're going to, I'm going to give you authority and I want you to go preach the kingdom of God. And I want you to go and I want you to preach the kingdom. I want you to heal the sick and cast out demons. That's what he told the disciples. He told them, you go heal the sick, you go cast out demons. You go do it. This was a new theology. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. That authority wasn't given to man, but Jesus delegated to them. He said, now I'm giving you authority over sickness and over disease and over demons. Go cast them out. So they come back here in Luke chapter 10. They come back from this little evangelism trip. They come back. They had some meetings. They had a great time. And they come back to the Lord and they say, Lord, man, what you said was real. It was legit, man. We cast out. We saw demons get cast out in your name. It's happening. Man, this is awesome. And look what Jesus' response was. They're rejoicing over these demons being subject. And uh, Jesus said, uh, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. First time I read that, I thought it was no big deal. I saw Satan fall like right lightning from heaven. And there's God highlighting what he's talking about. They were excited because demons were subject to them. Here's about authority. They were saying, we have authority over demons. We've never heard of this before. It is awesome. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Do You know how lightning falls? When you see lightning fall, do you see it go, here it comes, oh, look at that, here's the lightning, boy, that's a bright one, here it comes, boy, it's coming down, it's kind of sharp, little jaggedy, look at all that, it's coming, coming, boy, that's a long one, man, that's pretty, look at that bright, hey, check out this lightning, see it, there it comes, it's still coming, watch it all the way, where's it going to hit, I wonder what it's, going. it's going to hit there, no, it's still going, it's kind of jagged, it's going a little bit, lightning doesn't fall like that, how does lightning fall, boom, it's gone, That's how fast Satan fell. That's a sign of authority. That's letting you know there was no major struggle between God and Satan. (laughs) There was no big power struggle like, oh, it was nip and tuck and wasn't sure which way it was going to go. And God won a little bit. Then Satan won a little bit. No, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Why are you sweating him? Why are you even giving any second notice about him? Go and cast out demons in the name of Jesus. In other words, I've given you authority over them. And he says in the next verse, in in chapter, in verse 20, nevertheless, or sorry, verse 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over how much of the power of the enemy? Over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in the spirits that are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus was establishing authority. Two things about being a soldier in the military and about being a soldier in the army of God. Number one, we need to understand what's the source, what's the source of authority? What's your source of truth? Where are you getting your truth from? Are you getting truth from culture? Are you getting your truth from what God says? Well, my friends say this is okay. They say that's okay. And, you know, anymore, that's not that bad. You know, every, we've kind of embraced this. We've been enlightened now that this is now okay, and, and that's kind of old-fashioned, and that stuff's kind of going away. Listen, where are you getting your truth from? You have to establish in your heart, what is the source of your authority? And once we have established that source of my authority is Jesus, then anything that contradicts what he says cannot be truth. I don't care how many people embrace it, it doesn't matter. Jesus' truth is not up for a vote. It's not up to pass cultural acceptance. Say, well, let's, let's put out a poll and see if everyone agrees what the Word of God says is the truth. It doesn't matter how many people agree or not. It is the truth. Sanctify me by your Word, Lord. Your Word is truth. We've got to set our hearts on that. That's the source of our truth. We're not going anywhere else. We're not looking for anybody else. We're not asking anybody else. Jesus, if you do not use the Bible, I'm just encouraging you as a soldier in the end times because I believe, friends, we are in the beginning of the end times. I believe we are in it. And I hear people that's using all kinds of worldly wisdom and thinking this. That My heart goes out because they're deceived and they're going to miss it. They're not going to understand. The church... The church, Christians, this is not our time to back up and quiet down and be timid. We're the only ones with the answer. We're the only ones that knows the truth. If we truly care about people, then we tell them the truth. Man, people are so afraid to tell the truth because they don't want to upset anybody. I get it. I don't want to upset anybody, but I would rather upset my family member and see them go to heaven mad at me than to have them be okay with me and be separated from God for eternity. I would rather post something that is the truth of the word of God and get blasted by all these people who don't like it, but somebody reads it and says, wow, that's truth, and it changes their heart, and they give their life to Jesus. We got to stop worrying about how many likes we get. And we got to worry about how many disciples we're making, how many followers of Christ we're making, because I'm telling you, it's time to separate the wheat from the chaff. The sheep and the goats are getting separated. In that context, sheep are good people. You know, sometimes you're like, I'm not a sheep. You know, well, in this context, you want to be a sheep. You want to be sheep. So we got to understand the source of our authority is Jesus. Psalm 119, 160 says, the entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. But number two, got to understand submission to authority. Source of authority and submission to authority. Here's one thing I I found out in talking to my friends about the military. Whenever you embrace the system of authority, you're not just submitting to your commanding officer. You're also submitting to an authority structure. Here's what I mean. Whenever I say I'm going to submit to an authority structure, I understand that there is a chain of command. There are those that are above me and those that are beneath me. So I understand not only my responsibility to submitting to authority over me, I also understand my responsibility to be a leader for those that are under me. So I also have to embrace my authority. If I only submit to authority, but I never embrace my authority, the people under me are going to falter. You, in your life and my life as Christians, we need to understand not only our submission to God's authority, but we have to embrace our authority so that the things that are under us will stay under us. Here's the problem we have too many times if we don't know what authority we have, we don't know what we have a right to refuse and change in our life. So, when the enemy comes against us, and not everything is the devil. Some things are just people that are deceived. But at the root of everything, it is God, good versus evil. Right. That's the root. Too many times we're getting caught up in the minutia of the struggle being about uh, Republican versus Democrat. Mask versus no mask. Uh, vaccine, no. We get caught up in all. The ultimate root of everything, Jesus versus Satan. Not in that Satan's going to win. It's just Jesus, his kingdom, to bring as many followers to heaven and Satan trying to steal, kill, and destroy and drag as many people to hell as possible. That is the ultimate root. And if we don't understand that that paradigm, we will get caught up in the superficial surface stuff and we will sacrifice our religion and our faith for the sake of social, cultural issues. Okay. So, so... Here's how I understand. So now if I'm going to walk in authority, let me give you an example. Um, man, I didn't even have this. This is, this is fresh. Okay, this isn't on my... Uh, go to Acts chapter 19 if you've got your Bibles. This is not in anybody's sermon notes. This is just coming straight off the cuff. So, uh, yeah, freebies. So it's not going to be on the screen because they don't have it. So if you're looking at the screen wondering where's the scripture, that's why you bring your Bible to church. <laughs> for moments like this. I'm just kidding. I'm not getting on you. I'm just saying it was a great opportunity. All right, so now let's look at uh, verse, uh, um, I'm going to start in verse 11 just because I don't know where else to start. Now, God, see, this is about authority. While you're turning there, this scripture helped me understand authority in the kingdom of God. This is what I think you need to understand as a believer. If I was to help you, if I was a disciple, you'd pull you aside as a Christian, I'd say, listen, you need to understand the authority of Jesus and the authority that you have in him. You have to understand that. So here's, here's an example. This, this changed my life. I've mentioned it many times, but the Lord's bringing it back my to atten- my attention. Now God, verse 11, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Their, his sweat was anointed. His handkerchief, He would while he was working, he was a tent maker, while he was working, he would wipe his brow, he'd wipe the sweat and they would take his handkerchief and give it to people. They'd put his handkerchief, his sweaty handkerchief on people and the anointing of God on his sweat would heal people. That's authority. When your sweat's anointed, (laughs) it's not, yeah, yeah, just move on. So now then it's even casting out demons. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So now Paul's doing this with handkerchiefs. Now it says that these uh, itinerant Jewish exorcists, they begin to call on the name of the Lord Jesus, notice the language, over those who had evil spirits. So they come across people who had evil spirits, people were possessed, people dealing with demonic oppression. You know all kinds of layers. People don't get spooked out when we talk about demons. You've watched too much Hollywood. Don't get don't get intimidated by demons. Don't don't think someone's head's going to start spinning around and vomit and all of that. Now, may I'm not saying somebody may vomit, but I'm just saying don't be intimidated by demonic oppression. Demons are subject to the name of Jesus. If you are a believer, a son or daughter of God, you can look a devil right in the eye and say, get out in Jesus' name and do not be afraid. Don't back up. Don't pause. Don't be scared because you don't have to be afraid. Hollywood can magnify it all they want, but they're just a lowly devil compared to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Isaiah says this, that someday we'll see the devil and we'll say, is this the one who tormented the world? Is this the one that I was afraid of? My Lord, what was was I think in being scared of that fool. And he says as much here, says uh, they call those who had evil spirits. And they said, here's, here's what they said. Notice this language. We exercise you, in other words, we command you to come out by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. We take authority over you according to the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Preaches the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priests, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, <laughs> "This is where the demonic spirit speaking back to them. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you again? I didn't catch your name. I'm not familiar with you. I know Jesus. You said." in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches. You said the name of Jesus, and I got a little nervous. You said Paul, and I'm like, ooh, I remember a beating I took from him with that sweat. I was just, that handkerchief, whew, I think stunk like crazy. I had to get out of there. I remember that, Paul. But, but, then, but then you were the one telling me to come out, and I don't quite remember your name. When I first began to read that, I realized that there was a hierarchy in the spiritual realm. There was authority. Demons recognized. Jesus, he's a man. Paul, he's a bad dude. We don't mess with Paul. But I don't know you. Once I learned that and once I heard that, I began to, uh, begin to grow myself realizing that through Jesus, I have authority over demonic spirits. So how do you, how do you exercise that? You make yourself known. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, you're filled with his Holy Spirit, you don't get any more authority from that moment on. You have ultimate authority. But your authority that you have is not revealed to you until you exercise it. People say, well, I just need more authority. You don't need more authority. You need to understand the authority that you have. How do you get that? You get that by exercising it. The next time depressive thoughts come to you, and tell you this is going to happen, that's going to happen, here's what you need to do. Open your mouth and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you, get out of my head. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I don't wrestle against I don't, my weapons, my warfare, are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So right then, you quote that scripture and you say, devil, I take that thought captive in Jesus' name. Try to steal my peace. Try and and fill me with anxiety. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I take authority over that thought in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that I have authority in you, that I am far above all principality and power. Thank you for the authority that belongs to me in Jesus. We need to know our chain of command, that Jesus is calling the shots. He's ultimately in control. Now you, as a son or daughter of God, you have to exercise your authority and say, No, I ain't going out like that. I'm not going to put myself in bed, pull the covers over my head and just say it's not I don't know what to do. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, "God, your word has promised me that your peace will guard my heart and my mind." So I say no in the name of Jesus. Now, when I say authority, here's why some people get upset. You hear me talking about it, hear me excited about it, and you think I'm saying that when we walk in authority, we don't have problems. Authority is the opportunity to use delegated power. It is not the absence of opposition. Walking in your authority is not the absence of opposition. It's doing something with your authority when opposition arises. For example, if I'm a police officer, just because I've been sworn in, I'm, actual, I'm an actual real police officer. Sworn in, badge, authority, everything, all legal. Just because I was legalized and given proper authority does not mean crime stopped. Crime didn't stop the day I got sworn in. I didn't get sworn in. I'm just saying, like if I did. In case you don't know me, I'm not a police officer. But say, if our, our sheriff, the day he got sworn in, crime didn't stop that day. He now has to exercise his authority to let the enemy know that he knows his authority and once he knows his authority his enemy knows that he knows his authority so now he knows that he knows that he knows and now he looks at you and says Jesus I know Paul I know and you I know I'm not bothering you again but we have to know it ourselves. we have to know what Jesus has put on the inside of you it's not arrogance it's not pride oh you're people trying to discourage people of faith and say, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are tempting God and testing God? I'm not tempting God. It's not tempting God to believe God. I'm not tempting God. Who do I think I am? Who do I think I am? I think I'm a son of God where he said in Luke chapter 10 that I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall be even heard. That's who I think I am. Not in Chad Everett. In Jesus. Because I'm submitted to authority, I get his authority so I want you to have it if I'm going to train people make soldiers, make disciples you need to know you have authority in Jesus some trying to come between you and your spouse some trying to come between you and your your kids that's not Jesus that's the anti-Jesus no, it's just my wife no (laughs) it's just my husband, he's an idiot no, he may be an idiot but there's other issues involved We need to understand our spiritual authority because what's happening in the world, again, I'm just trying to highlight things. I'm feeling the the assignment of God to awaken people to the spiritual case of what's going on in the world. You need to see that this is spiritual in nature. Don't get caught up in mail-in voting and all that and forget to know that Jesus is at the center. He is our focal point. Do not lose your faith in Christ. Do not lose your focal point on him. Because you'll come over here and take a side on a social issue against Jesus and you'll forget that he's the one that all matters, he's the one that matters. So, two questions. Let's pray this way. Number one, what is the source of your authority? Is it your party? Is it your cultural view? Is it your friends? Is it your boyfriend? Your girlfriend? Your parents? I don't want to be the source of my kids' authority. I want to be a reflection of the true authority to my kids. If they don't see the authority of Jesus in my life, then I'm not giving them the right picture. i got to let them see Jesus in me that I am submitted. Dads, Well, men, macho men, if you're not submitted to Christ, then you have no authority. You have no real delegated authority. Let your kids see that you kneel before God and say, Jesus is the Lord of this house. He is the king of this house. Whatever he says, he's my commanding officer. And when he says, jump, I say, how high? Put your life submitted to Jesus and watch your kids see real authority. I'm the authority in this house. No, you're not. Jesus is the Lord let them see what real authority looks like real authority looks like this god here's my life i'm in authority by submitting to true authority and in that submission i get to walk in my authority as a husband i don't have authority over my wife because i'm a man i have authority to walk and encourage and lift up my wife because i'm submitted to the lord i don't have authority over my kids because i'm the boss of the house because i brought them in this world i can take them out I want to pray. Let's feel the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge us. What is your source? What is your source of authority right now in Jesus' name? Come on. Give your heart to it. If you're watching online, you're in Mount Carmel. You say, Jesus isn't the Lord of my life. Right now, it's time to get on his team. There's, it's not time for playing games anymore. It's right now is the time. If we're going to make disciples, we're going to make soldiers, we got to be have you prepared for battle. It's time. It's time. It's time to get off the fence, pick your squad, get in, get on, get eternal, get saved. Now, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if that's you right now and you're like, Chad, I know I need to get my life right with God. I need to do it. I'm, I'm in sin. I'm lost in sin. I need to make a change. I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to get in the right direction. I need to get my life right with God. Right now, I want you to commit your heart to him, not out of emotion, not out of hype, out of a belief, out of a conviction that without him, I am dead. Jesus paid the price for sin. You're separated from God. He became the son of man so that you could become a son of God, a daughter of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.